Well, greetings and salutations and welcome back to the channel here for this installment of Open Mic, the show here on the John Cabot channel where the mic is open, the floor is yours. What do you guys want to talk about? What topics of conversation regarding this wonderful world of movies, movie news, TV, and streaming would you like us to discuss? That's what we are here to do today. And there's two different ways for you guys to submit a topic or a question for us to discuss. Uh, number one, if you're watching this video any of the 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming it live, you can go to our tip link anytime, 24-7 at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. Or if you are watching the show live right now, as many of you are, uh, you can go ahead and use the Super Chat feature to send it in. And if your topic or question, you know, is appropriate uh, to be addressed on our show, no questions about my feet, please, or how much pictures of them cost, uh, then we will address them here on this show right here, right now. Joined in studio, of course, by Ray Ora. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Voiko's here. Hello. Uh, when does uh, Starship... Uh, Starfield, get Starfield, it right. Happy Pants, when does that game drop? September 6th. Me and Jonathan were watching videos during our lunch break, and this game looks boring, but at the same time, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, is that the same day that Boulder's Great 3 drops on PlayStation 5? Yep. Same, same day? day. I'm actually bringing my Xbox in, and I'm gonna actually put Starfield on there so Jonathan can get a little preview going. I've been uh, I've been playing Baldur's Gate three. I know you have. I'm having a ball. I'm having a really really, really good time. I need to get past that second part. Mm. I'll show you how to do it. Super easy. If I, I can get no, I've talked to everybody in there. Uh, I'll just show you how to do it. Because if I can get by it, anybody can buy. Because I'm terrible at this stuff, but uh, having right. a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, we are here to talk about the topics you want to talk about. Now, before we do though. Um, want to cross this bridge here. So, uh, look, no big secret. Marvel, at least for Marvel and by their standards, they've been struggling lately. You know, uh, again, I've said this all the time. The first decade plus of the MCU, it was just massive hit after massive hit. Fan favorite, fan favorite, critic favorite, box office favorite. Everything was just coming up gold. Kevin Feige would squat down and crap out. Bars of platinum. Mm. Everything was sweet. All mm, wins. Mm, sweet wins across gold, the board, baby. right? I mean, Seems yeah. Painful. Out of the first 20 some odd films, you, you, you had Iron Man 2. You had Thor the Dark World. But, but those were the outliers. Those were that was those were the like the really rare oddities. Everything was just smash success after smash success. And quite frankly, in the last couple of years, everything's come right back down to earth. Now, whenever an MCU project comes out, it's hit or miss. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't be good. Like, maybe you'll get a Shang-Chi or Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, you know, maybe you'll get a Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Maybe you'll get a little secret invasion. Not so great. That's the one character that bothers me. Like, I know you love um, Shang-Chi. Mm -hmm. I did too. But it was the most... Like, when are we going to see him again? Like, you should have pushed the I, pedal I on that right away. Well, you know what? Simu Liu, good Canadian kid, actor who plays Shang-Chi, he recently teased that, you know, you just might see him a lot sooner than you think. I think he pops, he's going to pop up in the Marvels. Uh, but then it's just going to be a small thing. I don't know why they didn't capitalize on Shang-Chi. But again, it just goes to the point that Marvel is not used to being hit or miss. And they have been hit or miss Lately, And now they've got these two big giant films coming, right? Two Avengers films, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, in that order. And there is not the big, glassy-eyed, look-to-the-stars kind of anticipation amongst the fandom like there was for Infinity War and Endgame. Now it's almost like fans are kind of looking forward to those with a little bit of dread. It's like, oh, how bad are things going to be by the time we get to those? And, and it hasn't helped matters that writing those two films are Jeff Loveness for Kang Dynasty and Michael Waldron. Now, there have been rumors that, especially with Jeff Loveness, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and after that kind of crashed and burned, there was a lot of speculation talk going around that Avengers was going to, or Marvel was going to drop him off of Kang Dynasty. There had been some whispers that Michael Waldron was going to get dropped from Avengers Secret Wars. Uh, Michael Waldron did Loki, by the way, did Loki season one, a show that I didn't love. Like I thought it was okay. I, I, I liked Loki, uh, but I didn't think it was great. Uh, but there are a bunch of people out there that think it's wonderful. 
And now there are new reports going around. You can pull up my screen here. There are new reports going around that that the MCU has dropped both Jeff Loveness and Michael Waldron mm. from both of those projects. Now, got to throw this. I want to throw the cold bucket of reality on anybody who's getting too happy about that. This is not coming from Disney. Uh, this is coming from some online Twitter people who are just saying it. So, <laughs> And by the way, there were some online Twitter people saying this before, and it didn't turn out to be true. Maybe it'll turn out to be true now. Maybe it won't. So we have no clue if this is actually real or not. But it very well could be real. But I want to propose something here. If, and this is a big if, if Jeff Loveness and Michael Waldron have both been removed from Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, it may have nothing to do with either of them. What do you mean? Well, here's what I think. Look, Marvel has to approve any script before a movie goes into production, right? And maybe Jeff Loveness wrote a bad script for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Or maybe he wrote a good one and it just didn't get executed right. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying that's a possibility because at some point before they started shooting that movie, the folks and executives in the uppity ups at Marvel had to look at that script and said, yes, this is good. This is our next Ant-Man movie. Go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. Yeah, that's what they say. That's that's, that's, that's movie lingo, Ray. That's movie lingo. That's how they talk in the biz. <laughs> and I quote. <laughs> and I quote, go forth and multiply. And so they had to approve it. So to them, the script was pretty solid. Now, maybe it really wasn't. Maybe they read it a certain way, got translated differently, whatever. Okay. Now, Michael Waldron certainly had some success with Loki. Most people seem to like that show more than I did. I think it's a, I think it's an overrated show. Again, I didn't dislike <laughs> it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't think it was all that great. But still. But if those two, and that's a giant if, if those two have been removed from their projects, it may have nothing to do with them. And it may have everything to do with what I've been speculating which is Marvel and Kevin Feige may be contemplating a change of direction because what they've been doing has not really been working well, you know, post phase three. And I've also contended that multiverse doing the multiverse saga was a big mistake. I think it was a massive, I've thought that from day one, because now you are taking you know, this comic book cinematic universe, which for average moviegoers felt very, you know, the fantastical within the mundane is what I call it. That's where the magic happens. When you take something like this unbelievable, you know, Thor, God of Asgard, and he's in a shanty little town in New Mexico, right? The, the, the amazing within the mundane, right? But getting into stuff, when you get really inside baseball, Right, where only hardcore comic fans are gonna understand it, recognize it, or maybe even have any relation to it. When you get into multiverse saga and you get into, you know, secret wars, even to a degree, I, I think you you're getting into some territory that you are really at high risk of alienating ninety percent of your audience, which is the average moviegoer, not the hardcore comic book fan. And I think Kevin Feige, who is brilliant. Feige is brilliant beyond brilliant, but I think maybe in this one area, he may have made a miscalculation and thinking as a comic book nerd himself, he said, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And it's like, but will the, will the wider movie going audience, well, audiences like my mom, my mom who loves comic book movies, is she going to come along for that ride? And I'm not sure that she will. And we've been seeing a disconnect. Now you can still make great movies, make none. But anyway, the point is this. If Kevin Feige, and again, this is a big if, this is speculation, all right? But if Kevin Feige and Marvel have decided to change directions, because the direction they've been going in the last couple of years has not been working, at least not been working up to Marvel's standards. If they're changing directions, then they're going to change writers. You got to understand, the vast majority of the time, when a studio decides to change directions on a developing project, they just don't go to the, to the original writer and say, hey, can you write a brand new 
script with this concept, what they'll normally do is then move on to a fresh set of eyes and they'll get a new writer to come in. That's just kind of, for the most part, the standard procedure of things. Yeah, there are exceptions to that. 100% there are. But normally, they'll, they'll bring in a new writer to go in a new direction if that's what they want to do. And it could very well be that maybe this is true and maybe Loveness and Waldron, and again, Disney has not confirmed this, so keep that in mind. They very well could both still be the writers of these things. But maybe they have been removed. And if they have, it may not have anything to do with them. It may not have anything to do with all of a sudden Marvel doesn't like Michael Waldron's writing. Or all of a sudden, you know, when they greenlit Loveness's quantum mania script that all of a sudden they don't like him. It could very well be just an, another indication that they've decided to change directions. And with the number of years that those movies are off, they've got time to do that right now. Maybe. So I, again, I don't know if they've swapped these guys out. I don't know if they will, but I, I do think that whenever Kang dynasty and secret wars arrives, I think 10 years from now in Kevin Feige's, autobiography, we're going to find out that whatever that Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars is that we get is probably a bit different from the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars we were going to get, if you know what I mean. I have a controversial take on this. All right. I don't care who they pick as the writers for these movies because I want my Blade movie already, all right? <laughs> I don't care. I'm not watching any Avengers movie. I'm not watching any <laughs> Avengers until you give me my Blade first. That's it. There's, there's, I, I mark my word. I am not going to watch an Avengers movie until well, I get my blade. I got good news and bad news for you. <laughs> the good news is any Mahershala Ali blade movie will a hundred percent come out before those Avengers movies. The bad news oh, is sure? I'm not sure the movie's going to happen at all. <laughs> if it happens, I feel 100% confident that it will happen before the Avengers movies. I am just, I just can't assure you that the movie's going to happen at all at this point, especially as this writer strike drags. Oh, by the way, you saw in the headlines today a little bit more progress. They're getting there. They're getting there. I think there. we're close. Like a little bit. I, did you see the latest one was uh, like late night? The WGA wanted. Uh, coverage for late night writers. No, I missed that one. Yeah. And it, it sounds like the WGA is, has just said that the AMPTP, the studios have uh, made a concession on that and said, okay, yep, they'll be covered. So Whew, again, on, let's go little bit by little bit. They seem to be making progress. I'm not hearing a lot of progress with the actors. No, I don't think they're going to make anything until they get this writers down. Yeah. I, I, think I think we get it in a few weeks. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, someone's got to give. It's unfortunate, but there's going to be a site that's going to have to Well, no, give. here's the thing. Both of them got to give. Yeah. That, that, I mean. that's, they only, this is only going to work. Like, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. My uh, my real estate agent, I've, I love this quote because everybody says, you know, it's a good deal when everybody's happy. No, 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 no. That never happens. My real estate agent said, you know, you know, it's a good deal when everyone involved is a little bit unhappy. That's when you know you've reached a good deal. That's when you know you, because everybody's compromised. And I think the WGA is going to have to give up some, some things that they want. The studios, the AMPTP is going to have to give up on some things they want. And everybody's going to have to be a little unhappy. And then they sign the deal and they move on. And meanwhile, Bob Chapek is on his private island sipping yeah. that margarita. Saying it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> not my problem. Yeah. I got to see Elton John and got a fat That's paycheck. Right. I got and, to see Elton John live. I don't got to do with this stuff. I got the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, with all that down, uh, let's get on and start taking your topics and questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what do we got up first? Mad Chad writes, John, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to box office numbers and stuff you talk about. Is there a way to find out if a movie was actually profitable or how profitable? Thanks. The only thing you can do is apply a general rule of thumb. I've talked about this before. Uh, this was taught to me by the executives at AMC when I used to work at AMC. The general rule of thumb, and, and it's not going to be exact science because the studios will never give us the exact precise numbers, but you take the production budget, all right? You add on top of that the marketing budget, Multiply that by 1.5, and that's the number that a movie needs to make to roughly break even. Here's, here's the curveball. I'm not sure if I've actually asked you, because I've been interested in this too. Um, 
Mutant Mayhem. Right. 140, I guess. Um, 70 million dollar budget, right? Right. You say that's not a good thing. But then you take into account the stories we've been hearing that they made one billion in merchandise, this mutant mayhem. Let's say it's one billion, whatever the it's a huge number. Does that affect that profit at all? Or no. is it separate? It's separate and it's separate departments and sometimes uh, it's even separate companies. Right? Sometimes it's even separate companies. Could that push for a sequel though? That amount of merchandise that's sold? It, it depends. I, I don't know because I'm not like here's the thing. You you get there again, you're gonna have to ask the question. And this is where I've been reading some articles that are that are calling into doubt those numbers, that okay. billion dollar numbers. Right, right, right. At, I mean, 100, <laughs> at $140 million at the box office, like I'm sorry, that means nobody went to go see it. Yeah, I know. And you're telling me nobody went to go see a movie, but 30 times more people than saw the movie are buying those toys. Well, then you have to ask the question. The, the toy sales have nothing to do with the movie then. When 30 times more people right. bought the toys than actually saw the movie, either they're lying about their toy sales, or which is possible, yeah, could be or worse. number two, it means the toy sales had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Or somebody's got a hell of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy collection. Yeah, home. but but again, to, to get back to, to the main question, right. find out the production budget. You can look that up online. See if you can find the marketing budget. You get that total and you multiply it by 1.5. Why do you multiply it by 1.5? Because the box office total, you then uh, take away about one third for what the, the movie theaters keep. So that gives you a general rule of thumb. It won't give you an exact precise number, but it'll get, so like if a movie spent $200 to get made, right? And a hundred million dollars on marketing, that's 300 million. That means roughly times up by 1.5, a movie's going to have to make $450 million to break even because they're going to have to, a one third of that 450 million will have to go stay with the movie theaters. Rest comes in here. But again, that just gives you a general sense whether that movie still actually lost $8 million or actually made $12 million. It'll give and take a little bit, but at least give you a little bit of a rough idea around where a movie needs to come in at the box office. So anyway, there's that. All right, what's next? All right, Audi Hash It Out writes, Yo, crew, you discussed the box office number that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will need to pass to earn a sequel. Uh, I want to point out that this year alone, TMNT sales has crossed $1 billion. There must be an echo in here. $1 billion plus Paramount gets a portion of this. Could this profit also be motivation for a sequel. Yeah, just just to reiterate I, once again. Yeah, I didn't know that, that was coming up. Sorry, I stole that. Oh, no, 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 no problem. <laughs> but just to reiterate again, um, I, I've been reading some articles that are casting some doubt on that $1 billion toy sales. But again, at $140 million at the box office, that essentially means basically nobody went to go see the movie. And so if it did make a billion dollars in toy sales, it had nothing to do with the movie. Because if it was really that popular, more people would have seen the movie. So there's... Yeah, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. All right, what's next? Luke1234 says, because the DCEU has lost money over and over again and the MCU has gone soft with box office returns, could the studios use this against the writers? Why should we you, Why should we pay you more money when what you're giving us is losing us money? I also want to point out, um, Barbie, number one box office film of the year, written by WGA writers. Oppenheimer, Number two all-time box office R-rated film, written by a WGA writer. Mario Brothers, the number two biggest box office film of the year, written by WGA writers. Best Things on TV, Last of Us, written by WGA writers. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, written by WGA writers. All these great things and all the big successes were also written by WGA writers. And just to remind everybody, something I said a little bit earlier. Marvel approved those scripts. Marvel read the final scripts and said, yes, these are good. Let's, <laughs> let's make these in the movie. So no, there's no basis there for any of that. Because at the end of the day, there have been Academy Award Best Picture winners that have lost money. Right? At the end of the day, too, all a writer can do, a writer does not get people out to the box office. All a writer can do is write the best script you can. 
you then need a production team and a director to actually make the movie. And sometimes that movie will turn out as good as the script. Sometimes it'll turn out a little bit better than the script. Sometimes it'll turn out worse than the script. But that's what it is. And then it's up to the distribution company to market that film and convince people to come and see it. All of that has nothing to do with the writers. So no, the... uh, there, there, there is no leg for the studios to stand on to say, hey, we lost money on some movies, so we're not going to pay our writers. Fuck you, they'll say. Fire your PR team. Fire your marketing team. And nothing to do with us. And by the way, you approved the script. So yeah, it's, so no, there's no avenue there for the studios on that. All right, what's next? James writes, I think Ahsoka is acting the way she is because she feels that if she did not leave the Jedi, she could have prevented Anakin from falling. I also think Sabine might be acting the way she is because her plant got nuked by the Empire. Planet got nuked by the Empire. Again, it's... um, No, I I don't buy it. It, I think it's just bad character work. I, I, I honestly just think it's bad character work. Or what I suggested before... And the way both Sabine and Ahsoka to me acted way out of character in the first two episodes, it could be, and this is just me being optimistic, but still, it could be that they just decided to start the show with them acting that weird just to show them having character development and getting back to what we kind of recognize their characters being. And that very well could be the plan. So we're going to wait and see how that kind of turns out. Again, listen, I didn't hate... A lot of people, I read people say, okay, but you hated the first couple episodes of Soka. Fuck you. I, th- stop twisting what I said. I Look, I thought it was all right. I think in a thumbs up or thumbs down world, if I if a gun was put to my head and said, do you like it or not like it? You know what? I liked it. But it just didn't live out anywhere up to the anticipation I had for it. And I just don't think it was as good as it could have been. And I hope it gets better. So tomorrow night, we get to see episode three, and we'll see... This very short episode. A very short episode three. We'll see what kind of direction we're going to go in. All right, what's next? Uh, Victor Soul writes, I was wondering how you judge something like Blue Beetle's box office drop this weekend. This Sunday had $4 tickets for Cinema Day, and I saw uh, a lot more taken seats in all showtimes in my area. Well, I mean, look, Blue Beetle only took a 49% drop at the box office this week. Now, normally that sounds great. The problem is it made so little money on its first weekend that it didn't have a lot to drop. Like we say this, look, you want your movie to take between a 50 and 60% drop on the second weekend. Any less than that is amazing. Any more than that is concerning. But when a movie, say, makes over $200 million on its opening weekend, like I think it was Spider-Man No Way Home took like a 70, almost a 70% drop in its second weekend. Well, that was only because... Everybody went to go see it on its opening weekend. Something like Blue Beetle, nobody went to go see it on its opening weekend, so there's still a lot of potential audience to go. Unfortunately, though, Blue Beetle only made that only 49% drop, which is a good number, but that only equaled to about $12 million. Now, to put that into perspective, Barbie on its fifth weekend made $21 million. On its fifth weekend. Um, so, it's it's there's no good way... Look, I, if you guys saw my review, I liked Blue Beetle. I don't know why more of you didn't go out to see it. It's an enjoyable, fun little movie. It's a thumbs up for me. But there is no other way to look at it. It's a box office disaster. I mean, obviously, pink is better than blue then. Well, yeah, pink's the color. That's, Listen, the, that's the correct answer. Think me. about this. In, in an era where comic book movies should be making $100 million in their opening weekend... Blue Beetle is now 11 days in. It's had two full weekends. It still hasn't crossed the $100 million mark worldwide. It's, there's... The appeal wasn't there, I guess. Well, the DCEU is dead. The audience has abandoned the DCEU. They did five years ago. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. Even though, dude, what's, what's Angel's name again? Angel, the De director. Soto. De Soto. Yes. That dude made a fun movie. Made a good movie. Then I thought Flash was really good too. That's on uh, Max now. Yes, it is. Flash is on uh, HBO Max, and uh-huh. good movies. But again, the the audience has completely abandoned the DCEU, and they have for a long time. All right, what's next? 
All right. Uh, hey, John, first time tipper. I'm a semi oh, thank you, Wilson. semiconductor engineer. I work at NVIDIA in Santa Clara. The Ooh. other day while wow. talking about the Samsung Tab S9, you said iPad Pro is good for gaming and for everything else. The S9 is, ult is ultra is better. Um, as someone who works in the field, I can tell you Apple Silicon is decades ahead of its competitors. It's not even fair to compare Apple processors to any others. Apple's performance is not ahead by just 10 or 15. They're ahead by 100. Uh, S9's Geekbench score is 5,500, uh, roughly. iPad score, 9,700, roughly. If you had to edit uh, and export a video, the export would take seven times longer on the S9 iPad supports full versions of Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro. Android doesn't even have equivalent offerings. iPad's micro LED display is far superior. Got a higher display score. Jeez. Yeah, Jesus, Wilson. Uh, the storage on the iPad. All right, let me interrupt it right there. <laughs> let me interrupt it right there. Here's the problem. Nobody's editing on Final Cut Pro on a tablet. Nah. You can, but that's not what tablets are for. I mean, they're great if it's in a, if it's in a little bit of a pinch, right? That's great. Or upload straight to YouTube or something like that, maybe. Well, well, you still got to edit your video. Oh, right, right, right. right. Sorry. So, like, uh, like I for what's the? Oh, damn it! Why am I forgetting it? Before DaVinci and before Final Cut were available on iPad, um, there's a great video editing program. Oh, why am I freezing on the name of it now? Hmm. Anyway, but but I, I've used on the iPad in a quick fix, right? But. When I have real editing work to do, I'm not using an iPad. I'm, I'm using my computer. I'm using my desktop computer. Uh, in, in absence of that, I'm going to use my Apple MacBook Pro with a, a, an M2 Max in it. I will say right? it's impressive that that tablet can do that, though. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing what it can do. But here's the thing. The thing that 99% of people use a tablet for like the the problem with the Apple uh, tablets, and I'm, I'm saying this as a proud owner of two M series iPad Pros. I got two of them. I love them. They're great, but they don't even begin to scratch the surface of what the processor is actually capable of. And nobody uses their iPad to do that kind of stuff. And yes, the process. And I said this before: the silicon is great, but Android is a far superior platform. So while underneath the hood, there's this real powerful M1 or M2 engine under the iPad. And yes, the, the processors that say the Samsung uh, S9 Ultra uses isn't as juiced as that Apple M chip. The reality is Android on those tablets just functions way better, way more intuitively. Um, they're just better experiences. And yes, if I needed to do a, a DaVinci Resolve edit, heavens knows why I'd be in a position where I had no other choice but to do it on my tablet. That's not what people use tablets for, right? They use them for, in some cases, doing some work, some, some text-based work, writing emails, consuming media, playing some games, all that kind of, That's really what people use those tablets for. And that's why I said that I could see that if I had the S9 Ultra, which I do not, and I haven't had my hands on it, but that's why I said I could see that if I did have it, I might prefer it because, especially with Samsung DeX, if I got like the Samsung one, like there's Google tablets as well, but like Samsung DeX just, DeX just makes the tablet experience, it revolutionizes the tablet experience. It's multi-monitor capabilities is worlds ahead of Apple. Like I, like, I had a cheap, crappy Samsung tablet. I was able to put it on my desk and plug in an external monitor and use it as two monitors, no problem. Apple completely fucks that up. Oh, now you got to do this stage thing, and it's kind of a second monitor, but not really, and it's just a garbage experience on that way. And again, I say this as an owner of an iPad. I really like my iPad, but... Yeah, I'd be tempted to switch over to and try that uh, S9. Yes, the chip under the hood is more powerful than the Apple one, no doubt. That's why I have, you know, my MacBooks. Absolutely. But what's the experience like using it? And in a lot of ways, the Android experience and that Samsung experience is just a better experience using it. Again, 
your mileage may vary. It's going to be up to individual tastes and what works for you, what doesn't. I'm just saying for me, as somebody who uses mostly Mac products, I think Android is far superior, but that's just me. All right, what's next? Uh, anonymous writes, uh, hi, John and crew. National Cinema Day reportedly sold eight and a half uh, million ticks for 34 million gross. My question is, how does the studio and theater split for such a day? Gran Turismo was a new release, but ticks were, yeah, four, were $4 on Sunday. Who subsidizes Thanks Spring on the Filthy? It's a percentage split. It's the same percentage split. So whether they're selling tickets for $10, $20, $5, it's the same percentage split. So it, that's that's how it affects that. Good question. All right, what's next? All right, moving on to Super Chats. Here we go. Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo. Uh, had a double feature with Blue Beetle and Gran Turismo. And you know what? I think it was one of the more entertaining double features I've had in a while. They both worked. I I was actually, I wasn't surprised that I liked Blue Beetle. Like, I, I thought that movie had a lot of promise. And so I wasn't surprised when we walked out and that I had had a good time. Gran Turismo, though, that... That surprised me a little. Like right from the previews they showed us at CinemaCon, I was intrigued by the idea of a video game movie that wasn't really a video game movie, like actually based on true story. I was intrigued by it, but considering Neil Blomkamp, who did do District 9, but he also did Crappy or Chappie and uh, uh, Elysium, which I thought were both- Hey, you said that on purpose. (laughs) But those are both bags of crap. Um I, I didn't know whether I had a lot of faith in that movie. It kind of looked like a throwaway movie to me, but I, I was really pleasantly surprised by Gran Turismo. I, like, it's not perfect. I had some problems with it, but overall, a really enjoyable film. And yeah, I got to agree with you, man. That a Blue Beetle Gran Turismo double feature. That's a good. That's a good day out. That's a good day at the theaters. All right, guys, listen, before we continue on with our questions, we're going to take a moment here and thank the sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Marine Lair and DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Marine Lair. All of us as guys are always looking for shirts that look good, but more importantly, are comfortable. Now, I want you to imagine the softest thing you've ever worn, and that's Marine Lair. Marine Lair is the go-to brand for great fitting and stylish closet staples. Based out of California, where we are, Marine Lair clothes are that perfect mix of laid-back style that also looks and feels premium. And these t-shirts stay soft no matter how many times you wash them. It's time to invest in a wardrobe that will actually last. For a limited time, our listeners and viewers get an exclusive 15% off discount with the code CAMPIA at marinelair.com. Like many of you guys, when I looked at Marine Lair's website, I could tell how good their clothes looked, but it wasn't until I got my hands on them and actually put them on that I knew just how unbelievably comfortable they are, which for me is the most important thing. And guys, how many times have you felt that you were in between sizes when buying clothes? What's cool about Marine Lair is that they have in between sizes. You finally no longer have to make that difficult choice between medium and large and extra large. I think we can all admit that the perfect tee is hard to find, but look no further than Marine Lair. For a limited time, get 15% off with the code CAMPIA at MarineLair.com. That's CAMPIA for 15% off your entire order at MarineLair.com. Saving your closet one shirt at a time. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, DraftKings. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years because change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAMP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CAMPIA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And thank you to our friends at Marine Lair and DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. All right, with that down, guys, let's keep things going. What's up next? Uh, Aiden Foley writes, hey, all, I'm now pursuing film studies at my university. Nice. Very excited to put it to use outside the industry for a more stable career. Thanks, guys. One of the great things about education is that a lot of the times in most stuff that you can study, not all, but in most stuff you can study, you will find 
practical application for the stuff you learned in a lot of areas of life. I clearly no longer work in law, but believe me when I tell you my experience in law helps me every single day. Avoid lawsuits like crazy. <laughs> I know how to avoid them <laughs> lawsuits, boy. And I know how to threaten them <laughs> and very effectively. That's where we see it the most. But I mean, it's, it, but, but in, in a lot of areas, like stuff, like, like my dad, my dad's an engineer, right? And he's a damn good one. But like, I just see like, even just around the ranch, he's, he, he puts his engineering knowledge like to work all the time. Like, that's the great thing about good education. Like, even if you don't end up working in that field, you're going to learn principles and stuff like that, that if you are, if you learn right, if you have a certain philosophy as a student will become applicable and help you in a lot of different areas of life. I am always pro-education. I know it's become kind of the cool thing to go, nah, you don't need school. And I'm not saying that you can't enjoy or achieve some degree of success in life without it. I'm not saying that at all, but you know, all the things being equal, I think having education that's available to you um, is, is always a good thing. I, I don't really see many downsides as long as you don't completely bury yourself in debt to get it. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of upside to that. All right. What's next? All right. John Redcorn says, rest in peace. Uh, Bray Wyatt uh, gone way too soon. Yeah. I, I was stunned. Mm. He was in his mid thirties one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. I, I got to see him perform live at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Um, I've said before, like for a guy who's a big guy, like a big heavy guy, right? You just expect them to wrestle like the way Andre the Giant wrestled. Just a lot of power moves and menacing. But I have never seen a dude with that body type have the pure athleticism that he had. He, he was an amazing in-ring performer. And he was an amazing out-of-the-ring performer as well. And uh, yet another COVID uh, fucking thing yeah. is still taking people from us. Yep. Um, I was actually waiting for his return. Yeah, well, they had said not long, not long ago, they were talking about how they're working towards his return. Because, you know, Roman Reigns still got that title. I was like, who's left that can actually be a formidable person to beat him. And one of the names was Bray Wyatt. I was like, he's going to come Oh, he's back. a guy they can push really easy. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people don't realize, like I, I was talking to my buddy last night, like when I was a child, when I was a little kid and I was watching wrestling, like when I was a kid at that era, that's when Hulk Hogan was champion era and the tag team champions of the world, the big feud in wrestling, well, was Hulk Hogan and Iron Sheik, sure. But it was also in the tag teams. It was Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik versus Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. <laughs> yeah. And as a matter of fact, a little bit of trivia for those of you guys who know your wrestling history. You know, for the longest time, Hulk Hogan's entry song, I am a real American. Mm -hmm. You remember that? He stole that song from Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. That was their theme song first. Oh, wow. It was actually on the WWF theme song album as Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda sing. Anyway, so Mike Rotunda went on to become, he I, changed his persona, he became a wrestler known as IRS. But um, Bray Wyatt was Mike Rotunda's son. And you know what his first name was? Hmm. Wyndham. Yeah, 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 Wyndham. Actually named after Mike's old tag Wyndham team partner. Right? And I think yeah. they might be related somehow too. Um, yeah, it was so tragic to hear yeah. I, so many wrestlers die so early and still it's, reeling from that right now yeah so. and and apparently from everything i've been reading like he was one of the most loved guys yeah. like everybody in the industry like uh the other day AEW um did their big event in wembley stadium oh, yeah, london a couple of tributes that ann is out there ann's oh, out right. ann was out there in wembley stadium in london uh, watching that AEW event, but apparently they, even they, a different company, did a big tribute to Bray Wyatt. He was apparently really loved in the industry. One of the guys walked out with a lantern. I oh, think. yeah. Buddy Matthews. That was one I of think. the best entrances, by the way, when he would come out with all those other swamp people carrying the lanterns. It was one of those cool entries. Anyway. Yeah, man. All right, what's next? Uh, Chloe says, movies in pre-development. How long before filming? That just that, that just depends. It all it all depends. Like literally, a movie can go from development to filming in two months. It can go from developing to shooting in twenty years. Because then it, you have to schedule the actors too to be available. At the oh yeah, time so but it too. depends which actors are you getting. Yeah. Are you getting some who are really busy or not? So literally, it can be yeah, in no time available. at all. Sometimes it's decades. Right, so right. it really depends. 
All right, what's next? Uh, Andy writes, realized I started college 10 years ago, which means I've been watching you for a little over a decade now. Wow. Uh, TYSM, for, or thank you so much for inspiring my love of film. Hey, thanks for coming along with the ride. You know, one, the main reason, going back to the movie blog, for your consideration, AMC Movie Talk, Collider Movie Talk, the John Campia Show, is we want to get people more excited about being film fans and, and being fans of the art and sharing together, all of us together, our appreciation and our love for it, which makes it being even more enjoyable. And uh, so thank you for coming along on the journey with us, man. I really appreciate it. It's Is good to have you here. Was that Riverdale Andy? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, so no more the, Riverdale. The Andy. <laughs> all right, what's next? Uh, Vixter5001. Let me just scroll this. UK public holiday spent listening to the listener voted 100 movie scores. List on Classic FM Radio. 10 hours, Lord of the Rings at number one. Do you have a favorite film score? Empire Strikes Back. It's my favorite film score. But Lord of the Rings would be, all the Lord of the Rings would be right up there. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. Sometimes if I'm working uh, at the house, like I'm just sitting in the living room with my either laptop or my tablet or whatever, doing some work, I will literally throw on YouTube and find one of those 10 hour long YouTube videos that is just like Shire music from Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Like I could listen to da 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 da. I could listen to that all day. I mean, I love the music in Lord of the Rings, but Empire is my all time favorite. I go to a different website. Wait, <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> what? I go to a totally what? different website. You can't go website. to IGN.com? Come on. <laughs> all right, what's next? B Cookie writes, John, I hate to burst your sports bubble, but the Lions are the betting favorites to win the NFC North. Really? Uh, the list and listed at negative 175 to make the playoffs. Not exactly a dark horse, but I agree with your take. Listen, I said, I remember I took a whole bunch of shit last year because a month before the end of the season, okay, a month before the end of last season, I said, this Detroit Lions team has turned the corner. And they are going to be formidable next year. Not winning the Super Bowl, but they're going to be formidable next year and they're going to win or they're going to get into the playoffs. And I got so much shit from people for saying that. Tons of it. I didn't realize in the offseason so many people had come around and realized that this team has actually gotten really good. And guess what? Matt Stafford may be the better quarterback. He may be the better quarterback. But Jeff Goff works in that system better. Like it, it, this is, it's one of those situations where sometimes it's like in movies too. Like sometimes you can have one director who's a better director overall, but this director, even though he's not quite as good, is just a better fit for a project like this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, for whatever reason, Jeff Goff getting over there. And once they got time to really get him worked into the system and develop and, and gel, that team turned a corner and they're going to be, not just pretty good. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them. All right, what's next? Uh, Brandon writes, three years ago today, we lost Chadwick Boseman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was, is it today the three-year anniversary? Mm -hmm. Oh, I still remember. I, I, we were watching, a bunch of us were in my living room watching Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted movie, and then looked down at my phone and saw the news that Chadwick had died. I can't believe it's been three years. All right, what's next? Uh, Harvest K writes, Happy Monday, gang. In addition to increasing Oppenheimer's Oscar chances, Dune 2's exit may mean a greater chance of a Best Pick nom for Barbie also. I have a feeling Barbie was going to get a Best Picture nomination anyway. Like, it wouldn't for me. Well, you know, considering there's 10 nominations. Oh, definitely the Barbie. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, taking Dune out of that running now, that frees up another spot on there. But yeah, I, I have a pretty strong feeling that Barbie was probably going to get a Best Picture nomination anyway. Uh, but yes, I think with this movie, with Dune being out of the year now and being pushed to 2024, I think it, it'd be foolish to bet against Barbie getting a Best Picture nomination. It ain't going to win. Right? It's not even going to be one of the front runners, but I think it'd be foolish to bet against it getting a nomination. All right, what's next? Okay, John Redcorn writes, um, there's a Jonathan Majors film magazine, Dreams, uh, coming out at the end of the year with from Fox. If you're, Dis if you're Disney, what do you do with this film? Just put it out? They, listen, the, Disney just recently republished their release calendar. Uh, that showed a few things moving. But one of the things that they kept on there is the Jonathan Majors movie. 
Um, for the most part, Disney has taken a hurry up and wait um, attitude with the Jonathan Major situation. I mean, they they made some changes to the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania documentary that they put on up on Disney+. Plus. They took a bunch of Jonathan Majors out of that. They took some things out, but they still left him in it. Even though they took some of them out, they left some of them in. And I think they're just going to go ahead with the release of that movie. And I think they're going to just cross their fingers. Now, with Avengers and with the MCU, the stakes are a lot higher. Like this movie, Magazine Dreams, it's only going to make so much money. Like this isn't going to be a big blockbuster, right? So there's not as much on the line. There's not as much at stake. So with that movie, they can afford to kind of keep moving forward, roll the dice, keep their fingers crossed that things go well in the trial. Uh, but with the MCU, it would be different. But they've got a lot more time with the MCU to make any sort of decision. So we'll see how that goes. All right, what's next? Uh, Christopher Brickner writes, fun fact, Elemental made more money at the international box office than across the Spider-Verse did at 316.8 million to Spider-Verse's 305.6 million. Yeah, not terribly surprised. Pixar has a very solid international uh, recognition of how good their movies can be. So I'm not actually not completely surprised to hear that. It's an interesting factoid, especially considering that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse ended up making well over... 200 million more dollars than Elemental did, uh, almost double what its original film made. But uh, that has a lot to do with the domestic box office of it. And, and Pixar is still a force worldwide. All right, what's next? All uh, right, we got King Daddy Goat who writes maybe the multiversal saga can be saved after all. I don't know what uh, that's in reference for, to. Oh, because of the writers, if the writer's story is true. Right? But here's the problem if you think the problems are, are the writers, I'm, I'm sorry. It's time to pull your head out of the sand. The, the you, everybody keeps forgetting. The writers are told what stories to do, and then they write them, and then the studio approves them. See, it, it, everybody kind of acts as if the writers just write the scripts, and the executives sitting at home going, "Wow, I hope they wrote a good script. I guess I'll find out when I see the movie." The executives all get to see the script. And particularly Kevin Feige. And Feige can axe the script. He can completely axe it. They only move forward with it. And, and again, a lot of sometimes you have a great script and it gets turned into a bad movie. That happens, guys. It happens more times than you think. And sometimes a, an okay script gets turned into a great movie by a really skilled set of filmmakers who are able to take a script and elevate it beyond its stuff. But... You know, listen, if you think that removing the writer of Loki from Secret Wars is somehow going to save the MCU, I, I got news for you guys. That ain't it. It's a more systemic problem that they got to fix over there. Anyway, all right, what's next? Um, Christopher Brickner, while a disappointment worldwide, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumedia made about as much as total gross of all three DC films this year combined. And again, it's a matter of perspective, right? It's a matter of perspective. Like we talked the other day about Eternals. Everybody, everybody wants to, to jump on his call. Eternals, such a massive flop. Eternals made $450 million, which is more than any of the seven DC films that have come out in the last five years. And again, it's a matter of perspective. But that's why I'm always quick to say when I'm talking about the struggles of Marvel and the MCU, I'm always quick to qualify that by saying, by Marvel standards. Because by DC standards, Ant-Man on the Lost Quantumania was a fucking smash global success. But uh, but it's we're not comparing it to DC standards. We're comparing it to Marvel. Marvel's is is accustomed to much higher heights of success, much better uh, reactions, much better reception than what they've been having. And sure, if Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania was in the DCU, It'd be considered their big hit of the last five years, but not in the MCU. All right, what's next? Uh, Fangblade71 writes, maybe a hot take, but I prefer the soundtrack and score to Spider-Verse 2 over 1, especially the score during the train fight. I'll tell you what, the score is great. I, like, I think the score of both the films, Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse, are fantastic. I kind of prefer the soundtrack of the first film. 
uh, over the second film. But both of them have a great soundtrack, but the scores in both of them are phenomenal. I could totally see why you'd appreciate the score. But again, remember, score and soundtrack are two different things. And uh, I, I, so I'm not saying I have a preference between the to, between the two films when it comes to their score, but soundtrack, I kind of prefer the first one, even though I really, really like the one in the second one too. All right, what's next? Joe Adonis mm -hmm. T writes, hi, John, John and Ray. Are you guys familiar with Asus Pro Art laptops, 3D OLED screen? Um, do you think that tech will be developed more so that we can have glasses-free 3D movies in theaters? I'm not familiar with the 3D OLED screen. Like I know... Asus puts out this amazing laptop. And they've they've been putting out now for a couple of years. But when you open it, like the top part of the keyboard is, is, a, L is a screen. Yeah, right. Is a second screen, mm -hmm. right? And so the laptop in and of itself is a multi-screen monitor that you can use, and it's a touch screen as well. Right. So That's you can use it as a second monitor right you can use it as touch controls where you set up it's amazing you can use it as the place where you you would have put your four thousand dollars <laughs> you can yep it's not not a cheap not enough you got to spec out it's not cheap. looking at them too by the way i saw this great video yesterday on how to use uh, that ipads can now be used if you carry around a playstation or an xbox ipad will now be your monitor Oh, right, right. That was actually pretty cool. Anyway, all right, what's next? Uh, we got Ryan Trabuco who says, Hi, John. With uh, Dune being pushed to 2024, do you think that also increases chances for Across the Spider-Verse to getting uh, one of the 10 nominee slots for Best Picture? I do. Uh, look, for me, all due respect to Oppenheimer, which is my second favorite movie of the year so far, I still think Across the Spider-Verse is the best movie of the year. Um, it got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse got robbed of a Best Picture nomination that year. Um, all due respect to Infinity War and Black Panther, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the best comic book movie of 2018. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But that, in my opinion, it was the best comic book movie. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I think it was the third best movie of the year that year in 2018. I certainly hope that... This year, um, they will do it because I believe we're still just sitting on three, right? Only three animated films, despite the fact that there are probably about a dozen or more animated films that have deserved Best Picture nominations. Only three times, I believe it's three, yep. only three times in cinematic history has an animated film been nominated for Best Picture. That's it. Three. The Best animated category at the Oscars was created as an excuse by the Academy to not acknowledge animated films. It, that's all it was. It was an excuse. It was a way to disrespect animation by pretending like you're showing it respect. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do think it should get it. I mean, yes, without Doom being there to take up one of the 10 slots, it will free one up. Hopefully Across the Spider-Verse will get the recognition it deserves and become the fourth animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. With Oscars. Mutant Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't put high odds on Mutant Mayhem. Getting you didn't even take a second. It, your laugh just came straight out. It was like a, it was like a reaction to the worst. To a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I'm not saying win i'm saying get a nomination there's 10 films that deserve it and and i think this i think cross spider-verse absolutely has to be in that yeah. anyway all right what's next bright writes uh just installed a server rack at my house nice 125 gig starfield downloaded in 12 minutes running at a thousand megabytes per second wow gonna try out baldur's gate as well all i can tell is man i'm loving baldur's gate i'm i'm loving and then again I'm, as a D, D player I am loving Baldur's Gate. The storytelling is great. The voice acting is amazing. The, the freedom in the world is amazing. Playing in D&D &D rules is fantastic. It's just really great. But that sounds like a lot of fun, man. All right, what's next? Joseph Michael says, do you think that at least the SAG strike will be resolved by the end of the year or November? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, actually, you know I what? Think SAG, yeah. You're already seeing... I, it would be nice if Chris was here right now. Yeah. You're seeing more and more breaks in SAG. There are more and more actors starting to, to getting frustrated. Uh, like there was just an announcement that Adam Driver, 
Uh, a bunch of actors are going to Venice to support their films and promote their films at the Venice Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, these are all films that SAG gave a special waiver to those projects. But once that got announced, there have been some other actors in SAG going, huh, um, listen, I've got a movie project that I have a lot riding on and I'm not allowed to promote it, but Adam Driver, who doesn't need it, who doesn't need the boost and doesn't, Adam Driver gets to go to the Venice Film Festival and promote their movie. There's a lot of moving parts and it's a very complicated issue. There's, it's, it's not black and white. It's 50 shades of gray, but uh, yes, I do believe that the SAG uh, strike will be settled well before the end of the year. I, I think the WGA one is going to get settled relatively soon, actually. They're making more and more progress. And I think yeah. once that gets settled, I think that'll pave the way for a relatively quicker um, resolution to the SAG one. All right. But again, that's that. maybe that's just me being overly optimistic. All right. What's next? All right. Suthius, you mentioned a lot of arms folding in uh, first two episodes of Ahsoka. You know what else there's a lot of? A lot of loud sighs and heavy breathing. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was talking to my buddy about that exact same thing too. It drives me nuts in any movie or TV show when loud sighs are used to feign drama. Oh, I thought you were talking about me when I was watching it. <laughs> Sex Court TV. <sighs> no, I mean, it like when at the end of every line, when there's a serious conversation going, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, blah, 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 blah. Sabine well, did that a lot in I, the hospital. Oh my God. That's talking me. to the robot. She didn't have to do the sign from the robot. It, it drives me crazy <laughs> when I see that in movies and TV shows, and it happens a lot. Um, it, it kind of suggests to me the director doesn't know how to give a natural flow to dialogue in in narrative going on. And it's it's and there was you're right. There was a lot of that in the first couple of episodes of, uh, of Ahsoka. Anyway. <laughs> all right. What's next? Anyway, but it didn't ruin the episodes. It's just that's just something that I recognize in a lot of movies and TV shows that drives me crazy when I see it. All right. What's next? Lavetto writes, hey, John and crew, with the backlash Rachel Zegler is getting for her Snow White comments, do you think that will affect the Hunger Games box office? No, nah, I think it's just a bunch of whiners. Yeah. That, that really, that just, just a, it's a small group of whiners that know how to make a lot of noise. At the end of the day, it's 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 the same group of people who are saying Barbie is destined to fail. And, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't worry about it. All right, what's next? Uh, Jason Nelson writes, thoughts on Disney Plus canceling shows before they're airing? Uh, look, everything is a business. There, there have been a lot of companies that have made products and then not released them. And there's a million different reasons why. Entertainment and art, when it comes to the business side, at the end of the day, projects are a product, right? I know that's a cold way of looking at it, but from the business perspective, that's what it is. It's product. And there are a lot of different reasons why sometimes a company will make product and then choose not to release that product to the to the public. Um, and so, it, and every single project is its own reason why. But listen, if, if if you think there's a good business case to be made by not releasing a product, don't release the product. I, I mean, Warner Brothers did it with Batgirl and that was absolutely 100% the right decision. So, you know, it all depends on the circumstances of the individual project. All right, what's next? Uh, Bry Guy writes, what's, or what are the odds we only get one MCU film in 2024? Cat is the only movie set to release next year. Uh, they have wrapped while Deadpool 3 had to stop due to the strikes, and Thunderbolts hasn't even begun. They're already well into production on Deadpool. I, I Again, I can see, I mean, Deadpool has been delayed, but Deadpool will come out in 2024. Uh, that I have very, very, very little doubt about. They will have Deadpool in 2024. So, but Thunderbolts, I'm not totally sure about. I'm not 100% sure about that. So I think we're going to get two, but we'll see. Maybe Blade will pop up in there, Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly unlikely. Yeah, All right, what's yeah. next? Uh, Ryland Holman writes, what are the chances that the Marvels is pushed to 2024? Zero. I, I think they're they're just going to get that movie out. I, I, I think it would have been delayed already. Like recently, Disney did some delays in some films, and they didn't really budge Marvel's much. So I think they're planning on releasing that film. Uh, I mean, listen, you never know what can happen. Kevin Feige didn't call me to assure me that Marvel's is coming out on schedule, but I, I feel pretty good that it's probably going to come out on schedule. All right, what's next? Uh, Sebastian Gomez writes, Hey, John, I visited Hamilton this weekend. Nice. 
First time in Canada, visited the first Tim Hortons. Uh, loved my stay, but Tim Hortons was disappointing. Maybe oh. it was just the location. It really depends on what, like, there's There's about 700 Tim Horton locations in Hamilton. Um, it really all depends what you had. Like I, I don't know what to say, but Tim Hortons, they make the best donut in the world. The Tim Hortons Boston Cream Donut is the single best donut in the world. That's like, I'm not a coffee drinker. Everybody who tries Tim Hortons coffee tells me it's the best coffee you can get. I don't drink coffee, so I wouldn't know, but there's that. All right, what's next? Uh, Haas TV writes, did you ever play the Batman Arkham video games? Well, I did. Yeah, not much though, honestly. I played it a little bit and I it just wasn't really my style of game, that's all. I'm, I mean, the story in it, I've watched the story videos of it and the story's great, but I just didn't really hang in there with the games. All right, what's next? Uh, Godwin uh, Aldrich Enriquez says, uh, Mabuhai, John, and crew, have a good day. Love y'all. Oh, salamat. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, don't forget, guys, like and subscribe. Make sure you come on back and join us again tomorrow. And until then, for Ray Aura, hey. Jonathan Voico. See ya. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.